0: Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional owners of the land that we make this podcast. And I extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that are listening to this episode. Yama. G'day, I'm Raddy Walden, podcaster, writer, TV host. And you might have even heard me talk about sex before, but this is Talking Frank. This podcast is going to cover every nook and cranny of Australia's sex life From the head spins of modern dating, to unexpected fluids, to STI checks, we're going to get frank about it. For this episode, I wanted to talk about body image, from body dysmorphia, to fat phobia, to concerns over if you think that your genitals look normal. It can be tough to always feel body confident, especially in the bedroom, and how you feel about your body and your genitals can affect your sexual confidence and sexual satisfaction. And with the rate of cosmetic genital surgery rapidly increasing, it's time we talked frank about body image and the impact it can have on your sex life. So come on, let's be frank about loving our bodies. Joining me today is April Watson, aka Bodzilla. Bodzilla is a body love activist and she made history with Australia's first billboard as a plus-size bikini model in the campaign Beach Please. Not to mention, she also launched her own Bras and Things campaign. The campaign focused on loving your body, feeling confident in the bedroom, and beyond this, you've probably heard her on a bunch of podcasts or maybe you've even read her blog. Bodzilla, thank you so much for joining me. On the show, we do this thing where we ask listeners or members from the Talking Frank community to send in some voice memos with questions or things that they kind of need help or direction on. Yeah. Do you mind giving this one a listen and offering some sage advice? Okay.
1: Okay, so I was having a conversation with my friends the other day and one of my friends started talking about how the new guy she was seeing had made a comment about the shape of her vagina and he told her that she had an Audi And it started up this whole discussion about what different types of vaginas we have. And at least half of us sat there, like, completely shocked because we didn't even realise that there were different types, like, other than our own.
0: I mean, I, in the wild, haven't come in contact with many, but I knew that there was a variety of shapes and sizes of vulvas, it's kind of been, scary that young women don't know, right?
2: I, and I don't know, like, what the reason is. I must admit, I think probably as, a, I don't know, like an 18-year-old, I probably wasn't, I didn't know that they didn't all kind of look the same. Mm. But that's more the fact that the ones, the few that I had seen, cousins or, like, random, you know, friends in the bathtub, because they all happened to look the same. Right. So I just had thought, oh, yeah, that's just, like... Nailed the brief, but then yeah, as I got older, I had a, a housemate who loved to run around without her undies on, and I was like, "Hold on, what?" <laughs> she too, she too had a different one from me, and now that I've seen a few, I'm like, "Oh yeah, they're not, they're not the same. None of them are really the same." Yeah. And well, actually, I was in Tasmania the other week, and there is a wall at the Museum of Old and New Art. I've been. Right, so now that's every single, it should be mandatory. Every school should take a trip or maybe the wall (laughs) should go on tour. A a travelling
0: wall of vaginas. (laughs) I mean, maybe I've just been looking at pictures of it for my job for too long that I was like fully aware that they were different. Like is it an exposure thing, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think unless you're spending a lot of time outside of, say, like school Mm. with other people, um, there's probably like not that much opportunity. You know, I think PE change rooms are a really vulnerable place and we shouldn't really be showing each other our bits there. That's not really appropriate. But it's one of the only places where I can imagine a group of people taking their clothes off all at the same time at that age. So I also think there's probably a likelihood that The sex ed conversations at school are using materials that were designed by someone who had an idealistic idea of a vulva, (laughs) a man, Um, and so the pictures don't represent the reality of the differences. That's probably the the other issue. Yeah.
0: You know, if sex ed is about procreation, then there's no space for curiosity about what they look like?
2: Exactly, even though obviously, like, it's in the name, really. Like, if we're talking about sexual education, it should include what it means to you know, have different body parts and that kind of stuff. Like I can't remember any instance ever of being shown a body part and the explanation of it not being purely biological, yeah. talking about the functions. But I, I think perhaps that's something that is missing and and maybe that's something that where parents shy away from having sex conversations, but that's where they might need to lean in a little bit, I guess, as they say, because <laughs> it does Leave a little bit to be desired as the kid who you know it's it's like Santa Claus for eight year olds and then different shaped vulvas for eighteen year olds. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I and when I was a kid going through puberty, I learned very early that about my genitals um, because my, they were different to my dad's. So there was like a there was a there was a duo parent conversation about my sexual health and sexual identity. Um, yeah. Maybe it does need to be a, a, a bigger conversation. That I, I mean, it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, to be like, hey, mum or dad, do my genitals look yeah. normal?
2: No- normal, yes. Finger quotes for those that are listening. Um, And I think also knowing that it's pretty likely, although as you said, it, not so much in your case, but it's pretty likely that you're going to see the same thing that you've got. In a family context, you know, where mm. your, your mum has the same, if, you know, if you also have a vulva, Like, but I, I think like that, that I've
0: alluded just then that there's something <laughs> unusual about my genitals. <laughs>
2: oh, look, I was, I may, I'm making an assumption about circumcision my, here, my but I had
0: circumcised wrong. and I'm not. Right. But for yep. anyone no. that was thinking I had two penises, or uh,
1: yeah. it's not that exciting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, should we keep listening?
1: And it probably sounds really dumb, but we just, like, assume that everyone's look the same. One friend then started talking about how she was proud of her Barbie doll vagina because everything was nicely tucked away. And then another friend started talking about how she was self-conscious about her inverted nipples. And she'd even purchased this little, like, suction device thingy to bring them out before she had sex.
0: Wait, what? Like a penis pump before your nipples.
1: (laughs) But also like theoretically,
2: if you get aroused and the blood flow to your bo- different parts of your body changes, they might just pop out anyway. How will you know if you're too busy suctioning them?
0: If your partner's doing a good enough job, they should probably just come out.
2: Or maybe they don't come out. Maybe and that's, that's okay just as well. One of them yeah. Things.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's just like, okay, these are this is what I'm working with. Like, these are my
0: Yeah. Let's keep going.
1: It was a funny conversation, but also made me, like, kind of stressed afterwards. I mean, I already find it pretty hard to relax during sex. I'm very conscious about my, how my body looks, and now I feel like I also have to worry about whether my vagina is pretty or if my nipples are hard. And I'm sure guys, like, would also have concerns about the size and look of their penis and shape, but, yeah, I just don't know if this is normal to be concerned about. So, like, do the people that you sleep with actually even notice?
0: Godzilla,
2: do they even notice? <sighs> Do they even notice? I think that everything we do, we like and experience is mostly done thinking about ourselves. So I don't know. I, I'm trying to think about whether I would notice this in terms of nipples, probably not. Mm. Like, I don't think I would. In terms of the look, shape, Color, etc. of a vulva. I would notice, but only because it's like I'm I'm working with this equipment. I need to make sure I understand how it works, what it's what it's doing. Yeah. Would I later ruminate on it and be like, oh, well, here's my thoughts on it? No, I have other things I must do. Um, and I I totally agree that anyone would have thoughts about how they look and how they're performing and how etc. But I think that if the person that you're sleeping with is having like a long thought about what your body parts look like, and judging that, yeah, immediately, goodbye. Um, Mm. And I think that it, I, I understand that when you're new to having sex, especially every single part of it that happens, you're like thinking about it all day long. But understanding that people have different bodies, I mean, that's, it's critical to understanding that you are just one person in a group of people who are all different and unique. But it's one thing to think about it and just oh, that person has an outie or that person's nipples are innies or whatever. And another thing to have a problem with it, so to speak. And I think for the most part, it's probably pretty unlikely. The person is probably just really excited to be having sex with you at all. And if they're not, they should be. Yes. I mean, I've
0: definitely been in conversations where like, you know, someone's had sex with someone and there's been a negative comment made about their genitals to the friend group, like whether it be the size of their penis was too small or, you know, other comments. But I, I, on the whole, I don't think people care that much.
2: And I find that I I would think that like most conversations where we negatively ascribe Morality to body parts. It happens when we don't like that person. Mm. People we like, we don't talk about like that. Yeah, you're, so you're trying
0: to find a reason to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Precisely. Yeah,
2: right. So you think if someone who's a shit person is talking about your body parts, well, that's that's a them problem. Like that's mm. something to, that says more about them than it does about you. Uh, you know, two years of being the Godzilla and I'm like, let's just not talk about bodies at all ever. But also, I just, yeah, I think that's one of those things where. Um, talking about people's genitals is just a bit, no, it's not a vibe. I'm not about it. So, um, unless it's to be educational and discuss the different parts of vulvas and how awesome they are, et cetera.
0: Well, speaking of that, should we get into our big chat? hmm What a segue. How did the name Godzilla come about?
2: Oh, it's such a good question. Uh, so, a photographer that I was working with had, you know, we just sort of met, and she said, "You should rebrand yourself because I love all this stuff you talk about bodies, but um, you kind of, you know, your Insta name doesn't really scream I'm body positive, you know, queen." And we just started saying words, bod, boss, babe, blah, like, and I just, I was like, "I like the, I like the letter B," and she just was like, "Bodzilla," and I was like, "So stop,
0: stop, yep, it's done." Brainstorming session so. over.
2: Love it, love it. And um, when I originally tried to change my name, there's someone else on Instagram who has that account name. And it's literally like someone with like two photos. And I I DM'd them being like, any chance you want to give me a username? They didn't reply. So that's how I came to become not only a Bodzilla, but the Bodzilla.
0: (laughs) Well, as as the Bodzilla, um, how do you define body image?
2: Uh, Body image to me is the way that we perceive ourselves. And I think the conversations that we have about bodies and how we look is always contextualized with who we're talking to. So how we look in the scheme of social media bodies. So how we look in the context of uh, people in our classroom, people that we work with, our friends. So I think our body images normally fluctuate depending on where we are. If we're somewhere where we feel confident about ourselves, whether that's because we're with people who make us feel good or whether we are not following people whose bodies make us concerned about the things that we think we should worry about, For me, the definition of body image is how you feel about your body and how it looks in your landscape.
0: Mm -hmm. And do you think that like our body image can impact the way that we engage in sex and relationships? 100%.
2: I think when you feel confident, and I speak from experience here, over the various times in my life where I've been having sex both as someone who was single and having sex with different people, but also then being in a committed relationship and having sex, how you feel about yourself is usually dictated by how the person appears to be responding to your body, Mm -hmm. uh, but also how you feel about yourself. So when I was single, I felt more confident because that was at a time where I felt like my body looked better than it had in the past. I had to later unpack what I actually meant by that because it was definitely a weight related thing where I was internalizing a lot of anti fat bias. But I towards think yourse- that, towards yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, so I had lost weight. And so I felt like I looked hotter, which right. now I realize the hotness came from how hilarious and funny <laughs> I was, <laughs> which is very, by the way. Um, and so, but the confidence came from having a lower body weight. It's like, when you're confident and all of those things, and this is all stuff that people who were older than me or more mature than me had told me when I was younger. And I was like, oh, shut up. Like, you don't know anything. And now I'm like, oh, they were right. How rude. they always but right. It is actually, <laughs> yeah, I hate that. It is true that the confidence and that kind of thing, like, yes, there are going to be people who are attracted more so to a certain body shape or type. But for the most part, what I think made me attractive was the fact that I felt attractive. And so I I think, therefore, I am. And uh, I do think that if you're in a relationship with someone who, you know, loves you and accepts you and has seen you, perhaps, you know, in not the cutest, you know, whether it's first thing in the morning or whatever, and they still want to have sex with you, that also makes you feel that same confidence, but you don't necessarily have to be fully doled up to feel that confidence. Yeah.
0: And so after you got over that sort of, what did you call it?
2: Uh, What, like fat phobia?
0: Yeah, a fat phobia about, or the the faux confidence of being skinny. Yeah. I think the phrase love your body is so overused and is a bit cliche, but do you have any tips for how we can, you know, engage with our body when it comes to sex and, and, and ways that we can feel more confident in our body?
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that really for me has changed how I see myself or what I've realized is that when I see other people with bodies similar to mine, so fat femme bodies, is I'm like, oh, like it looks like they look so good. Like I I know for a fact 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh my God, like, and having so many negative thoughts. And a lot of what has changed for me is seeing other people who look like me and they feel sexy and I'm like, well, if they look sexy and feel sexy and they look like me, like, you know, it's all just kind of logical. Yeah. But also one of the main things that has changed, I think, is about getting to know what I enjoy and what makes me feel good in the context of sex. So, you know, masturbating is a really something, and I I talked about this to somebody the other day and I was like, I never even had an orgasm or masturbated until after I was 29. Like, I literally... Yeah, what was I doing with my entire puberty? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I think that that is also something that for anyone who has felt like they are not entitled to feel sexy or to be sensual, that kind of stuff, because I know that there will be people whose body image affects the way that they feel about what they're allowed to enjoy. Yeah. And I think sexual pleasure is one of the things that really gets taken away because if you're made to feel unsexy because of the way that your body looks, that also kind of takes away everything that's associated with that. So enjoying sexual pleasure isn't something that you necessarily think you're allowed to do. Um, I think that's, for, for me, a lot of what it was. Um, and so, yeah, I think get in there and have a crack at yourself. Did, so you,
0: did you not have an orgasm because you were not confident in your body to to be in that position and to like to be sexually active or to allow others in in the bedroom?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like I think also I was having bad sex with horrible men, which is never great. Mm. So I think choosing a partner who like cares about whether or not you're enjoying yourself, understanding that sex and porn are not necessarily the same thing, they're definitely related, but real life sex is not what you see in the porn. Especially when
0: it comes to the representation of bodies, like
2: right. Bodies not, yeah. and of female pleasure, especially or people yeah. with vulvas having pleasure. Um, and I think too, yeah, I hadn't had an orgasm because there was never a conversation about what it actually was. So I didn't mm-hmm. know that I hadn't till I did, and then was like, well, what have I been doing all the rest of the
0: time? I've been wasting my bloody time.
2: Well, yeah, really. Just what a <laughs> muck around. Jeez.
0: <laughs> Um, I think it's also like not just people that are larger bodies. I feel like, I, like everyone I know has this weird thing with their body that's either body dysmorphia or they hate their body or they, like there's just no one's ever happy with what they've got. And we always think the grass is greener on the other side.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think that's one of the really key parts of what I think what I do that differs slightly from some of the really incredible activists that I follow and love mm-hmm. is that I agree with you. And what I want is for all of us to be able to move past those negative thoughts about ourselves. So, while I'm very big on talking about the fact that fat people experience discrimination, oppression, and medical fat phobia and things that can actually kill them.
1: Absolutely. And
2: so, we really need to talk about that and focus on that. I also think that all of the people I went to school with who were slim and then, but were still like, you know, very like, I'm worried about how I look here. I don't want to do this while they might have body privilege that doesn't mean that they don't have a negative body image or body concerns mm-hmm. and everybody deserves to feel good about themselves I don't think that we should be saying oh shut up like you you're fine don't worry about it like I think if you try to encourage people to love themselves and I know that's enough I think we agree on that but I don't have a better way of I guess explaining yeah. it but because when I talk about love I don't mean like I mean, I'm all about taking naked photos of yourself or whatever, but not just that kind of exhibitionist love, but the love that is accepting and caring for and understanding and having grace treating your body the way that you would treat it a loved one mm-hmm. you know resting it and encouraging it to just do its best um and so i think that everybody deserves to have that but also people who experience body privilege loving themselves means that they're stopping worrying about their bodies and it gives them time to focus on uplifting and being an ally to or an advocate for people who experience issues that actually kill them mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I uh, 100% agree, but also even in the bedroom, if you're so worried about your body, you're not really there in the present, you're not engaging with the other person.
2: And I think that if you've had a really incredible experience where you've been so invested and so in the moment and you you're not thinking, oh, how does my blah, blah look when I do this certain thing mm. and you're thinking about how it feels, that's also something that the more you do it, the more you enjoy it, the less you worry. So it's like you really, it is a cycle of having to do it to overcome the fear of doing it, Mm. I think. And and I, again, think that's about finding a partner who is going to be focused on your pleasure, not on how you look.
0: Mm. I think that, uh, like, this whole loving, uh, we need to find a better way to say it, but, you know, like it's so hard to be able to communicate what that means or even to help people do it because it's so different for everyone because everyone's bodies are so different, everyone has Mm. different varying genitals, but is there a way that we can, like, reframe our perspective on our body?
2: I mean, I think it's about the tactile experience of feeling another person's body. Mm. If you can take away... What you think about bodies and how they look, which of course is easier said than done, actually feeling someone else's body when it's like it's warm and it's soft and it's all the things. And I think experiencing someone else's body, if you're thinking about them as a person and not as a body, is also when you're thinking about connecting with that person in a way. Because I mean, that might sound a bit too woo woo or whatever, but I do think that if you're having sex with someone that you love or that you respect, And like, because I I recognize that it doesn't always have to be committed relationship sex that we're talking about. In fact, you know. Most of the time, it's probably not. Most of the the time. I think that's a really important part of it too, is respecting yourself, having a boundary about what you want to, you know, do or not do. Mm. And also understanding that the person that you're having sex with is also just another human being. Mm. I think if we shared that collective consciousness around wanting to have sex, you know, that that pleasure seeking and looking for ways to connect with people, even if it's only for one hour or one night or however long it might be. If we understand that this experience is just, it's a moment in time, it's not going to be forever. Just enjoy it. It's like a roller coaster, really. You get on a roller coaster and when you get off, you're like, oh my God, that was so fun. And maybe you're a bit less afraid of it. But yes, I think that it's sort of like that. You can get lost in that moment. And, you know, maybe it's because. The only representations we see of sex are close-ups and in film where we're capturing the essence of every movement and every body part and every elbow and crevice because that's how you experience film so that you can, you know, you're trying to get a message across. That's not what's happening in real life. That person's not looking at you, you know, with all these close-ups and all that. They're they're feeling your lips on their lips and how excited they are that your lips are on their lips. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, they've got like, their eyes closed as well. They're not looking. Well,
2: I hope so, because if they don't, couldn't alarm, be creepier. Alarm. Bells, honestly. Yeah.
0: The word body dysmorphia is thrown around a lot. Yes. Um, But do you, like, what is body dysmorphia?
2: Well, body dysmorphia is a disorder or an illness. Mm. So I think like the way we talk about wanting to be quite particular about the place of things being OCD, maybe it's not (laughs) because it's not a disorder. It's just you you like to have things in a certain way. And I'm not a doctor or any kind. I have no medical expertise. I only know what I know from people who actually experience um, obsessive-compulsive disorder. Yeah, I think the misuse of medical words mm. or um psychological things like this person's a narcissist and oh the weather's bipolar, babe. Do you, are you what? So I what? <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just climate changed. Just literally, just call it for what it is. I think we co-opt words because we want to sound interesting. Mm. However, body dysmorphia is real, and I think we should never discount the idea that someone who experiences body privilege could also experience body dysmorphia. Eating disorders and other types of negative body image conditions are all real and they're valid for everyone. Mm. And I think that's why, if somebody told me I have body dysmorphia, I assume that they mean they've been diagnosed with body dysmorphia until I dig a little deeper because i'm not going to write someone off like if you say to me i have body dysmorphia and i and then we have a conversation you say what i actually mean by that is i know that i experience privilege but i also hate myself well that's you have a negative body image in the context of the landscape that you're right.
0: in right so maybe most of us are talking about having a negative body image
2: I think probably yes, because body dysmorphia, it's something that could affect you for hours a day that you could be doing really harmful, disordered things. You could be undertaking a cosmetic procedure to fix something about you that actually is a flaw that you've imagined that you have.
0: Like labiaplasty.
2: Exactly. And I think that I've heard a lot of people talking about how hip dips were not a thing that anyone knew that that was a thing that they should worry about till people started talking about how it didn't matter if you had hip dips. And I think that's one of the really significant things that constant body talk whether it be trying to be positive or not, uncovers flaws that people didn't know they had, Mm. or I say quote-unquote flaws, because actually that's just the way that your bones are shaped. (laughs) That's (laughs) literally not... That's not... I. mm. And so I think the idea that someone would become fixated on that to the point where they're like, I can't link the house because I've got funny-shaped bones. Like when you say that, that sounds pretty unhinged. Yeah. But actually... For some people, that might be the reality that they physically cannot interact with other people, leave the house, all that kind of stuff, because they perceive that their body looks frightening or disgusting or and they look like you or I. Mm. And so I think that dysmorphia itself, mm. let's hang on. I'm going to do a live Google oh, and tell you exactly, I love a live Google, dysmorphia is a noun, deformity or abnormality in the shape or size of a specified part of the body, for example, muscle dysmorphia. So the idea that we believe that we have an abnormality in some part of our body where it's not diagnosed or it's not a medical condition is negative body image. That's conditioning. It's societal. However, I don't want to take away from the fact that body dysmorphia is a real disorder and some people experience it to a degree that makes their life unbearable. Mm. Part of being able to unpack or um, unlearn a negative body image is about being around people who see you for who you are because mm. when you you know, you see a picture of yourself and then you know when you would use that filter where it flips you and you see oh, yeah, yeah, it and yeah. you're like, oh, I my God. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Conditioning. It's yeah. all conditioning. Something that's really special to me, something that I've overcome, is when someone takes a picture of me and it's a bad picture, I'm just like, yeah, but that's what I look like. Mm. And being able to just go, oh, well, I, it's so bad, like it's out of focus, it's blurry, my head was turning and I look like that, you know, that dog when you do the panorama <laughs> effect and it's like, that's that's different, we should retake it. But if it's a picture and I go, wow, I look much bigger than the rest of the people in that photo or, oh, you can see how fat my arm is on the underside, I go, yeah, but it is. What are you going to do? Like, what? Are you, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter the picture is of me, I was there, look how happy I am. Mm. And I think being able to get to that point, God, it's been a lot of work and some days I'm like, no, immediately, no, quick, find a picture of me from when I look really cute, little angle from like way up here, you know, to feel better because I'm feeling that negative body image creeping in. That happens for everyone, even me. Like Mm. I'm I'm all about that body love, but at the same time I'm also like, "Mm, no, like why, why do I have to, Be this different body. Why can't I just be the same as everyone else? Like those, those days are few and far between now, but they don't not Mm. happen.
0: Yeah, I think it's a universal feeling for everyone, whether it's like your body or your genitals or like you know any part of your body.
2: Yeah, and I think if if you've had someone speak about it, so going back to the original question from the person who sent in that lovely voice note, that person wasn't thinking about their vulva till their friends sexual partner, right? Like it's what's in your mind, but if you can unpack it and move on from it and have some reassuring self-talk, be like, it doesn't actually matter what my vulva looks like and learn to believe that, then it'll be fine.
0: Mm. Um, Speaking of conditioning, there's been a lot of talk recently about the super skinny trend from the early 2000s and 90s making a comeback, which is my era. Before hip dips, it was thigh gap.
2: Oh, um, yes, yeah.
0: Um, do you have any advice for how people can support a positive body image for themselves?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think when we talk about body trends, which are a bit like fashion trends, mm. you know, um in that they're completely made up by random people, remembering that you don't have to be part of any trend. Trends exist in a part of the world, like you know fashion and especially high fashion and editorial fashion where that wafy, heroin chic look is returning, which I just hate. But we have learned already that A, most of the people who went through the original heroin chic phase hated it, struggled with it, recovered from it. Lots of them have recovered from it. And body trends are something that we don't need to engage with and so to i think support yourself when you're feeling like oh i need to be more like that trend or like everyone i know has suddenly become this you know they've given up on their whatever it might be trying to to be a curvy girl now they're going to be a a waif i think is to know that we're all different we're not supposed to look like the models the models don't even look like the models Mm. between airbrushing angles lighting face face, like all the things Half of them don't look like themselves. Yeah. And knowing that body trends come and go, you only have to look at the last 100 years of magazines uh, to see the bodies we've been looking at and realise we're all fitting into a trend yeah. it just depends on whether it's current or not. I mean, the last 10 years, though, right, like the Kardashians
0: allegedly got these BBLs and now they've allegedly all had them reversed so that they can be skinny girls. Yeah. It's it's crazy.
2: And, look, I'm not a, I'm not a Kardashian stan, never have been one. And... I think the harm that it does to us as people to follow a certain ideology around, well, this person did this, so I should do this. This Mm. person did this. That parasocial relationship that we have with certain celebrities or thinking that we should emulate them. Also knowing that they continuously steal from black culture, so their butts don't even belong to them, allegedly, (laughs) Um, like literally and allegedly. (laughs) Um, I think that following... Beauty and body trends that are both potentially cultural appropriation, but also physically harmful to you. I mean, why would you really? And I get it. I think if I was an 18 year old when, um, as opposed to, because I think, you know, similar timing, I was, I turned 18 in early 2000s. And so that was when that was the kind of the fashion. But if I'd been 18 when the Kardashians kind of went on that meteoric rise and that, that, that booty kind of shapely, or that I would have been like, ha I already have that. Like, mm. yes. And yeah. I would have been so happy. I've got big lips. I've got a big butt. They're trying to um, be me. <laughs> that, exactly. And I think so conversely, <laughs> people who are currently whatever body shape it might be and whatever's coming back into, into a trend, just remember, in 15 years, you will be a trend again. Oh, my God. So, it's, it's
0: like those, um, all the people going to get those turkey teeth. I'm like, they're gonna fall oh. out in 10 years. They're not gonna no one's mm. gonna no one's gonna want white horse teeth in 10 years.
2: No, and they're so white. It's just so white. A, anyway, that's and and I think too that I do have a, a, like a scrap of sympathy for those people because I think you really think that you look better like that? You don't like you're so incredible. But I realize that a you can do whatever you want to your own body, like you know, whatever you like, as long as you're not, you know, hopefully you're not gonna get injured, Mm. which we all know cosmetic surgery has so many risks, but like go hard, do what you want, get a nose job, get some boobies, do whatever you like, but please do that. Also knowing that you're actually fine. Mm. It's actually fine to look however you look. I think that you'll find once you meet some people and spend time with people, whether that be in the context of sexual partners or people who are friends and family, people who love you, they're not worried about whether your teeth are big and bright and white or whether you have the teeth that you you know, grew up with. Or whether you've got an out-evolver. Right. um, Like they're thinking about how happy they are to spend time with you.
0: Amazing. That's such a nice note to end on. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
2: You're welcome, darling. It's been lovely to chat. Can't wait to pinch your cheek. (laughs) And your face as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's another episode of Talking Frank in the bag thank you for listening and thank you to that young woman who dm'd us that amazing voice note and shared their story and of course thank you to the amazing bodzilla for joining us if you want more information you can go to frank.org.au or give the family planning australia talk line a buzz or like usual i pop some extra information in the show notes below to be frank though even though it sounds naff i think it's about time we all learned to love our bodies